Hey, this is Pastor Bradley, and I want to welcome you to the Res Church podcast. Res Church is a place where people discover life through knowing and following Jesus. And so we hope that you will be blessed by this message. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. I enjoy being part of this community, although I'm not here every Sunday. I'm here enough to know know you. I get to spend weekly time with Bradley, so I get to hear. He tells me stories about what happens here on Sunday morning. So, <clears throat> um, In the book of Acts, we read about the church, the community, the believing, and we're told in Acts chapter 6 that the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied. That, that's a description of a healthy, growing church. That is, it grows in the richness of God's word, and it grows in the number of maturing disciples. And as that happens, there's another growth that needs to happen. There is a need for growth in leadership. I don't know how you think about leadership, but oftentimes leadership is perceived as heavy-handed and bossy. and That's not the biblical picture. There is a need, as the church grows, for growth in leadership, and that is what we're looking at this morning. This morning, we're going to recognize and welcome Stan Fields as a new elder. Now, you could be thinking... Okay, we've got elders, and now we get another one. That's fine. I know. That's what we do. Um, But I don't want you to be thinking about it as, well, it's just a thing we do because churches have elders. For our spiritual health and for our good, it would be important for us to think well about why there's elders. I can remember some years ago, uh, I met a young man who had moved to Greenville because he felt like the Lord was telling him he needed to plant a church in Greenville. The first thought in my mind was, Another church in Greenville? Now, that, was, that went through my mind. But he felt like the Lord was leading him, and I wasn't going to discourage him. Yes, okay, another church in Greenville. But as he was sharing with me his vision for the church and what he wanted for it, he talked with me about what he was thinking. And then he said, oh, and we're going to have small groups. I said, that's great. Why would you have small groups? And his comment was, well, churches have small groups, don't they? And I thought, that's not enough of a reason unless you understand why you have small groups in the life of the church, then you just have a function. You just have a thing that hangs out there, right? And he couldn't explain to me why should we have small groups. And I want you to think the same way. When we think about elders and we think about bringing Stan on as an elder, why? Is it just things that churches do? Is there a reason for that? So I wanted to take you to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to think a little bit about why elders. So Acts chapter 20... We're going to spend most of our time in this passage this morning. Um, A little bit about the situation. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem being sent there by the Holy Spirit. He knows trouble is awaiting him. And as he's going, he's making stops in churches along the way. Now, he has a really big history with the church in Ephesus. He planted the church. His heart is there. And as he's making his way to Jerusalem, he decides to pass by the church in Ephesus. Not because he doesn't love them, not because he doesn't care, but if he shows up there, it'll be too hard for him to leave. So bypassing the church, he actually calls for the leaders of the church. And here's what I want you to see, Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. Let me just dip in a few texts here. Notice what Paul does as he's on his way to Jerusalem and passes by the church in Ephesus. Chapter 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to them, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials 
that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay close attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, what you need to notice as part of the congregation, as part of the community, is the three ways that Paul refers to the leaders of the church. It says that he called for the elders. But then when he's speaking specifically to the elders, um, what does he say in verse 29? Pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock of God in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So you need to notice that the word elders, he uses to speak to those who are identified as overseers. And here, the ESV renders it, um, care for the church of God, which is the flock of God. He actually uses the word that is twice used in the New Testament to refer to pastor. So when Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus, he identifies them as overseers and pastors. Those three words are all used to speak to the same individuals in the life of the church. Elders, pastors, overseers. The words carry a slightly different connotation. Pastor places an emphasis on the personal care. Overseer has the emphasis on the direction of spiritual formation in the life of the church. An elder doesn't mean necessarily old guy, but it means someone who is old in the faith, knows the truth. So these three words all refer to the same individual. And notice that it is the Holy Spirit who makes them elders. It's the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers. Uh, An elder, an overseer pastor, that's not an office you can run for. It's not a job that you can merely apply for. It's a spirit work. And it is for the sake of the body. Here are the emphasis is you're overseeing, you're caring for the flock that has been entrusted to your care. In Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul also talks about pastor teachers, elders, he says that their purpose is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is, pastor teachers are fundamentally given to the life of the community for the good of the community, for us as a community to grow up. It is an us thing. When we think about elders, pastors, overseers, it is so that we collectively can participate in the ongoing work of the ministry. Elders are not bosses. Elders are not chiefs. In fact, elders are player coaches. Elders, in fact, are fellow servants. And as everyone in the body of Christ is gifted in unique ways for the benefit of the whole, pastors, elders, overseers are gifted to 
encourage and promote the growth in the community for our communal good, for our good together. They are fellow servants participating with the members of the community so the community can grow up to be all that God intends for it to be. Notice here in this text, there's a threat at times to the church. Some will arise seeking to draw disciples away from the simplicity of the gospel. Who has responsibility for that, for that oversight, for that care? It is the elders, pastors, overseers who, like a good shepherd, care for the spiritual health of the church. They're not primarily the ones who do the work. They are primarily the ones who care that the work gets done well by providing that kind of oversight. So when a church installs an elder, it is an acknowledgement that the Spirit has worked in an individual so that he can step into this servant leader role and that we need player coaches. The community in installing an elder or affirming elders means we need player coaches. We need Spirit-given assistance to be all that we can be as part of the community. Now, now here at Res, we do talk about pastors as well as elders, Um, And so, although we use both terms, the distinction has more to do with the vocational call rather than the way those men serve. It's not a distinction between those who are really spiritual and those who are like second-class spiritual. No, elders and pastors, they they all share the same responsibility. Um, Churches do this. Res does this. Pastors tend to be used to refer to those who are vocational elders. Elder is the term that we use to refer to those who are, in a sense, bivocational. They do other things rather than simply work in the life of the church. But they all carry the same responsibility. So this this morning, this morning is an us thing. It's about what we need to recognize, that we're growing as a church, and that as we're growing as a church, the Spirit of God is going to provide what we need, and that will include adding to the group of men who provide for the safety and growth of the church, we're going to add an elder. Now, I want to speak to Stan a little bit, and you all can listen in, because it's an us thing. Um, I, I just read Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 23. And out of that, there are a couple of things that run through my mind as I think about Stan as you stepping up as an elder. If the Spirit is the one who appoints elders, that's what Paul wrote here, to care for the flock of God over which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer and elder, then as important as your, as important as invaluable as your natural talents and whatever training you might have may be, Stan, we're not recognizing you and welcoming you as an elder because of your natural talents, because of your training. It is, in fact, the active and ongoing work of the Spirit that qualifies you to serve as an elder. It's how he has called you. It's how he has equipped you that identifies you as an elder. Your ongoing leaning into what the Spirit is doing is what is essential. And the congregation is affirming we see that in you. We see the Spirit's work in you. And that's going to have to continue. As an elder, you are, in fact, equipped and gifted to do that by the Spirit, nothing else. And seeing as elders are entrusted with the oversight of the local congregation, Paul says to the Ephesian elders, to care for the flock of God, which was purchased by his own blood. What does this mean? It means that the local congregation belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to the elders. It doesn't belong to a board. The oversight of a local congregation has been purchased by, the local congregation has been purchased by and hence belongs to the Lord Jesus. 
So the most important thing about any of the elders is what does Jesus want for the church? It's not what you want individually. It's not even what the elders want collectively for the church. It's essential that the elders understand that what they're pursuing is what does Jesus want for the church? It wasn't that... It isn't that your longings might not fall in line with what Jesus wants, but it'll be really essential that your pursuit will focus on what Jesus wants. Elders are not called to lead a church to become the church we've always wanted. This is the, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I've always wanted a church like this. That's not the call. The call is what has Jesus always wanted for the church, and that's what gets extended out and through the lives of the elders and the pastors. The third thing that I notice in this text, if elders are going to guard, which is what Paul charges them with, after my departure, wolves will rise. And you need to resist that. Uh, Even from among yourselves, there might be some. You need to resist that and care for the flock. And he says that the way that they're going to do that, he says that he um, commends them to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Meaning as the church is going to grow and become all that it's intended to be, it'll be because of the word of God. It will be because of the word of God. If the elders are going to guard and grow the community into all that Jesus wants for his people, then this must mean that elders are men of the word. They're not men of books, although you might read books. They are not men of trends, although some of the trends might be good. Many of them are not. But sorry, just be honest, right? Fundamentally, elders have to be men of the word. And the reason is is because the elders are not infallible. Let me just dispossess you of any of that thought, right? Not just you, Stan, but anybody. Elders are not infallible. The words that the elders share of their own perceptions, their own view, those are not infallible words. The only infallible word is this book, right? So then elders need to be men of the book. So Paul commends the elders to the message of the gospel, to the word of the grace, word of grace, which alone is able to build up the saints and bring them into full holy living. That is why in the pastoral epistles, Paul writes about the role and call of the elders. And at the center of that is their men who teach. That doesn't mean that they are pedagogically competent. It means they handled the word of God well and impart it well to the people of God. So those three big ideas are grow out of Acts chapter 20, and this is the reason why the congregation is affirming and recognizing you as an elder. With that, Stan, why don't you come forward and step up here and join me, please. With this in mind, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, Stan. Um, Elders are to be recognized by the congregation as men of the Spirit, men that the Spirit has qualified you to serve in this way. And to aid in that recognition, I want to invite you to respond to a couple of questions. I'll give you a charge, and you'll be able to respond, and they'll get to testify that this is why we're inviting you to serve as an elder. Recognizing that your role as elder is a gracious work of the Spirit, giving you to this community to serve as a model of faithful discipleship. Will you seek to live under God's word, holding high the scriptures as the only foundation for all you say and do? I will. Will you seek to live in dependence upon the Spirit, realizing that the life you long to live and model for others can only come to maturity through the Spirit's work? I will. 
And will you seek to lovingly shepherd the brothers and sisters who are part of the Resurrection Church family, recognizing that Jesus has purchased them for himself and entrusting you to care for them the way he would? I will. And lastly, will you set aside your own personal agendas for the life of the church and seek what Jesus wants in all you do as an elder in this community? I will. Well, with that kind of affirmation, I'm going to invite the congregation and the elders to come up, and we're going to pray. So those who are currently elders, would you come on up? Because this is a community thing, because this is what we're recognizing, you're recognizing about what God is doing, you're to be participants in this. So before the elders pray for Stan, I'd like to invite you all to pray. Now, you can pray quietly, or if some of you would like to pray out loud, that's perfectly right, because this is an us thing. So let's take a few minutes to pray for Stan, for the elders, for Res Church. And if you're comfortable, you can pray out loud a word or two, a sentence or two, and then we'll have the elders pray. Thank the Lord for what he's doing in the life of Res Church. Thank the Lord for providing player coaches who can help the church to grow the way it's supposed to grow. Ask Jesus to continue to move by his spirit through all of the elders that Res Church would continue to be the community that Jesus wants it to be. Father, I thank you that <clears throat> that you put stand before us. Holy Spirit, it's humbling to be reminded that um, we didn't appoint Stan, uh, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's humbling to know that you have a plan for Resurrection Church above what we do, that we're mm-hmm. under shepherds of you, Jesus. Pray that we always follow you as elders, we always seek you out, and we follow, we hear you, and then we're obedient. I thank you that what we heard, Stan also heard mm. in your calling. Mm. And I'm thankful that this church body, this family, when Stan was nominated, they celebrated mm-hmm. Stan. They affirmed Stan. They they welcome Stan. We just we just want to serve you in this local church body, and we're so thankful that you're allowing us to do that and participate with you in that. And I'm thankful, Father, that as Stan takes the shepherd's staff, 
that when it's time for the sheep to be fed, that Stan can do that in the mm-hmm. power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. When it's time for mm-hmm. them to drink, he can give them water. Mm-hmm. When there's thorns in the wool, mm-hmm. he can help get those out if it's your will. Mm-hmm. We just thank you so much for Stan. Lord, I just want to lift up Stan to you and ask your blessing on him. Thank you for sending him to this church, your church. And Lord, I pray for Stan and Pam. And I ask uh, your protection over them, that you guard their hearts, you guard them, that you help them to stay focused on you. We're blessed to be able to serve you in this manner. And Mm -hmm. I'm just so thankful that you brought Stan to us your blessing on him and his family. Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you that where you have gifted, you make room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Father, you have gifted Stan. Uh, And Father, we just thank you that you are making room to use his gifts here at Res to glorify you and to build up your people. And Father, we just thank you for how you've brought this all about. Uh, We could have never orchestrated all of this. Mm. But Father, we thank you that it's only by your hand and it's only by your work that you have brought Stan to this body and made room for his gift that you've given him Mm. for your glory. Lord, I'll ask for two things. One, I ask that the specific kinds of contributions that you have intended for Stan to make to the team of elders and to Resurrection Church as a whole, that those would flourish in every way. Um, Mm -hmm. Secondly, I ask that as a congregation, we would receive stand into the plurality of elders that lead this church mm-hmm. and that we would as he is attentive to the ministry of the word and prayer uh, that we would follow mm-hmm. uh, follow him as he follows Christ yes. uh, as Paul would say that we would all do that um, and I thank you for this in Jesus name amen. Um, Mary and I have been here 17 years, and uh, this January, it's just crazy. Um, 16 years ago, uh, there's, there's a couple of people I want to thank. Um, 16 years ago, Ernest Barr, who pastored this church um, for, I guess, close to 25 years, something like that, um, he turned the leadership of this church over to me in the summer of 2006. Um, And at the time that he did that, he sort of semi-retired. Those of you that have been here a while remember this. He sort of semi-retired, and then we wouldn't let him stop (laughs) being a part. And so it was in 2019 that he finally said, look, I'm done. Um, And um, when he turned the church over to me, 
I don't know if I would have said it this way, but I think in, in a subconscious sort of way, what I thought I should do was be a spiritual CEO slash guru mm. who could lead an organization really yeah. well yeah. and then stand up, leverage the Bible a little bit and give people really good advice mm. every week. That's what I thought. Because, uh, you know, I was 28, no offense. Um, <laughs> that's what my son says every time he says something offensive. He just says, no offense. Mm. Um, but I just didn't know what I was doing. But I'm so thankful Pastor Barr did something among a thousand things um, when he um, brought me here as a bivocational elder. And then eventually I became full-time and he released the church to me. What he did, and I'm so grateful for this, and I picked it up this morning, was he gave me a Bible. Um, now, I didn't need a Bible. I, had, I have lots of Bibles. Mary tells me to stop buying Bibles. Um, but I, he handed me a Bible and he wrote in it a, a, a message that in so many words said, don't neglect this. Mm-hmm. Of all the things that you do, mm-hmm. How, because at that point, you know, I was young and I was changing things about the church and how it looked and how it functioned. And he said, look, all that's great. But in so many words, he said, this is what matters. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for that. And I don't know if he's watching this morning. He's not able to be here as much as he used to be. But Pastor Barr, if you're watching, I appreciate you so much and I love you. And thank you for your leadership. I'm also thankful for Brian. Um, about eight years ago, nine years ago, uh, in a crazy sort of random way, the, the Lord connected us together. And the Lord used Brian in my life to build on this charge that Pastor Barr gave me to be attentive to the ministry of the Word. Mm-hmm. And through a convergence, if you will, of those two things, here's what I realized. I wasn't called to be a CEO yeah. or a guru. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was called to be a shepherd and a pastor and an elder in a local church and that God had entrusted a, a portion of his flock to, to, to me. Mm. And the more attentive I was to the word, the more I realized I'm not supposed to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And out of that came this plurality of elders that you see before you today. And I'm, I'm so thankful for Brian. I'm so thankful for Pastor Barr. And I'm thankful for these men that I get to share in the leadership of this church. And it really is a share. This is not, this is not about any one person. I meant what I prayed when I said, I'm going to submit to Stan's leadership mm-hmm. just like you are. Mm-hmm. I, I submit to all these men. And they submit to me. And we submit to one another. You know why? Because this is an us thing. Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. This is an us thing. Mm-hmm. So, Stan doesn't need a Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, if he did, he wouldn't be up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Stan, I'm I'm going to present you with this. It's it's a it's just a small heirloom Bible. I wrote you a little note in there. Um, but to all the elders, when you guys joined the team, we gave Bibles because the. 
Acts 6-4, we know this because we're, we're going through a 26-week elder training with Brian right now. Uh, we're about halfway through. And we know that being an elder means being attentive both to the ministry of the Word and prayer. But I believe the ministry of prayer really flows out of attentiveness to the ministry of the Word. And so um, I'm giving you this as really a welcome to the team and also just a reinforcement of the charge to be a man of the word and a man of prayer. And I just, I love you and I love all of you. And I'm so grateful to be able to do this with you guys. And so uh, with that, would you welcome Stan into the elders? Hi, my name's Stan, <laughs> and I'm one of the elders here at yeah. Rose Church. Amen. And Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God and reigns and yes. rules yes. over his kingdom in sovereignty. I want to thank so many people. Uh, how much time we got? Um, thank you, Brian, for coming today and for working with us. Um, a huge influence on all of us, and we love you and appreciate you. Love you too. Thank you to the rest of these guys up here who have included me in... Um, I, I want you to know these, these guys are special. They're really special. And um, the, the love that they have for, for this mm -hmm. and for prayer and for you, um, don't doubt that for a second. They really care for you. And I do too. That's good. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I, I echo what Brian was talking about this whole time. We... We are a, a church that believes in the power and the, the truth of Scripture, and we believe in the power of God who uh, invites us to participate in His kingdom work through prayer. And I, and I see a church here that loves those same things, right? We, we want to continue as elders, I believe, to equip you to be great kingdom participants, mm -hmm. rightly dividing this book, rightly participating with him in prayer, letting that change us into those that go out into our community and grow his kingdom. So I see that, I see that coming. I see that now, mm -hmm. and I see that growing in us. There is such a desire in the community of those my son's age and younger, that they're seeing what's happening in evangelical Christianity out there. And as Cody likes to say, where they come get a TED Talk and a U2 concert, and they walk out empty. Mm -hmm. They might be fired up for a minute, but Monday comes and they're empty. And there is such a desire for that to change, and I'm seeing it. And this church 
is a beacon of light and hope in the word of God and in the power of prayer and in being able to navigate through life, whatever comes to the glory of God and the joy of his people. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll just put in a selfless plug, come to discover res. You'll see me, you'll see me blubber and cry. And, uh, and we'll, and we'll grow in that together. And thank you for those who have already come and put up with me and Pam. And thank you, Pam, for supporting me in all this and all the support and love that we've, we've gotten through this process. It's been incredible. And I'm going to shut up or they're going to have to sanitize this mic, but mm. thank you all. And I love you all. And, um, I look forward to working with all of you here. Thank you. Well, it's, a, it's an us thing. All of this is an us thing. And so it's really appropriate as we think about where the community is growing and how the Lord is moving that we do an us thing. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together. Um, we're not... Um, well, let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You don't need to turn there. There's just a few verses that I'm going to read. Um, the Corinthians were not... Um, gosh, you want to be a New Testament church? The Corinthians were not a perfect church. They had all kinds of problems. Um, so let's be a New Testament church, right? Have problems. <laughs> now, the, the problem that the Corinthian church had is not necessarily the problems that we have. And so Paul is writing a corrective word to the Corinthian church about the Lord's Supper, taking the Lord's Supper together. Um, and so what he says to them is not directly our problem necessarily, but he has something to tell us. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and following. He writes this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, when the Corinthians were taking communion, they tended to take it as if it were a me thing. That was what was part of the problem. Paul addresses that. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 11. They, they approached it as if it were me and Jesus have a good thing going, and so I'm going to do this. And so they would come to a meal, and some would be satisfied, and some were not, and some had enough, and some did not. And then at the end of the meal, they would take communion, and Paul basically says you're not doing it well because you're not, his words in chapter 11 is you're not recognizing the body. You don't take communion as an individual. Are you saved as an individual? Yep. Are you adopted by God through grace as an individual? Yes. But you're brought into a community. You're brought into a family. And when Jesus instituted this thing that we call communion, when he said, this is my body, which is for you, if he were speaking Southern, it would be y'all. Seriously. He didn't say, uh, this is my body broken for you, Peter. And the rest are just observers. No, it was, this is my body broken for you. And the participation in communion is where we proclaim, collectively we proclaim that Christ defines our lives. 
We, we proclaim his death until he comes. We are all about him. We collectively are all about him. The elders are about him. The elders are going to encourage that kind of awareness that we are in this together. It's done in remembrance of him. It's about him to whom all of us are connected, not merely about an individual act. It's right to take communion together today because that's what we're talking about. Our growth as a community together as we celebrate the Lord adding an elder because he's adding to our community. So if, um, if you're here and you know Jesus, then you're welcome to participate because anyone who's part of Jesus is part of the community. But this is what we're doing as a, a local congregation. At the end of the pews, I mean, the end of your rows, there's a basket. And why don't you go ahead and pass it along, and you'll find in there a little bag that has both the bread and the cup. And take one and pass the, it down along, and then together we're going to take. So if you would make sure that if you've passed them down, some of you have been here before, so you knew what we were doing, and you had already passed the baskets down. That's Okay. What I want to do then is to take together. Thank you. What I want us to do is to understand what's really going on. What did Paul say and what does it mean for us? He starts by saying, when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this and remember to me. Think this is not about remembering yourself. This is not remembering how bad a week it was. This is about remembering Christ who died for us. So he said, take this and remember. Then Paul goes on to say, in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When he talks about covenant, he's talking about an unbreakable agreement that he made, listen, that he made not with you alone. It's an unbreakable commitment that he made to his people. So when we take the cup, we are proclaiming his death secured for us an eternal secured for us, not for me, secured for us an eternal relationship with the Savior. You, you realize that one day, standing on heaven's shore, it won't just be you. It's going to be us forever. Might as well start to live as the community that we are because he said this blood created that covenant that brought you into this life. Do it and remember. Thanks so much, Jesus, for redeeming me as part of a us. Thank you, Jesus, for solving my sin problem so that I could be adopted into a family. Thank you for not leaving me on my own because I need the help of brothers and sisters to grow to be all that you want me to be. And so this morning, we're really delighted to celebrate your goodness to me. That means your goodness to us. That means this community that we share life with. And all of this is your doing. And so we celebrate you together. 
Amen. We hope that the Lord has blessed you through today's message, and we would love to hear from you. Tell us how God is working in your life and how we can pray for you. You can also help us reach others by investing at resfaith.com give. Thanks again for joining us.